This message is a presentation of Vortex Church in Albemarle, North Carolina. For more information about the ministry of Vortex Church, please visit us online at vortexchurch.com. Wow, it's like a great privilege to be here this morning and get the opportunity to share something that I think is really powerful. But what's, what's more important is, is just being able to do something for my Savior that, that he's given me the ability to do. So I'm just excited to be here. Um, and let me tell you a little bit, of, a little bit about myself. We, we um, have lived in Stanley County like my whole life, so that means I'm a local, if you know what that means, you know. So, um, so there's nothing secret about my life because nothing in Stanley County secret. And so if you've been here anytime, you know everything about me. So I don't need to go into that. Let me <laughs> go ahead and jump right in uh, uh, to the message. And we're going to, let me just tell you, like, when I was thinking about what I want to talk about today, what immediately came to my mind, this came about three weeks ago because me and Kevin talked about this maybe four or five, six weeks ago, something like that about preaching today. And and immediately, like three weeks ago, God just like gave me this idea of the aftermath of Christmas. And in a minute, I'm going to like explain it to you, and you're going to understand. The adults are going to understand. Kids are going to not understand, which is fine. Um, but so today, the aftermath of Christmas is w- what we're talking about. And so let me just tell you, when I was a kid, like I loved Christmas. I couldn't wait for it. When I was in elementary school, we made those little paper chains. Does everybody know what I'm talking about? You pull off one for each day. Like, I made one that was like 45 days one time. And I'm like, I'm counting down to Christmas. And like, every day, pulling off. Some days I'd miss it and I had to pull two off in a day. I felt really good that day. And so, you're counting down to Christmas, right? And so, I'm so excited. Can't wait to find out what I'm going to get. Um, obviously, I wasn't a smart kid. Let me tell you why. Because um, I always wanted to find out what I got for Christmas before I got Christmas Day. I never found anything, ever. Me and my wife were in our house the other day, and she was like, this present takes such batteries. I said, no, it doesn't take these batteries. And she's like, no, it doesn't. She's like, we're going to open it up and see. And I'm like, then we'll have to rewrap it. She's like, oh, no. I'm like, yes, it will. She's like, I've done this before. And I'm like, you have? And she's like, one Christmas, I unwrapped all my presents to see what I got Christmas morning. And so I'm watching her, like, do this surgical procedure on the paper, and she's, like, cutting the tape, and she opens it up, slides the present out perfectly. And then she puts it back in, and I'm like, and she, my kids are watching, you know? They're like, like, how do you know how to do this? And my wife's like, I did it one time. <laughs> one time when I was a kid. I still got it. And that's, like, what she was saying, stuff like that. And so she did say that it was the worst Christmas ever because she knew what she was getting Christmas morning. But... So, like, Christmas was, like, a great thing for me. Um, you, you run into the living room on Christmas morning, see the stockings full, see the presents sitting out that weren't there the night before. Uh, one of the Christmas, I ran into the living room, and there was a go-kart, like, sitting in my living room, which was awesome. I still don't know how they got it in. But anyway, sitting in my living room, and it was awesome, except for my mom made me wear a helmet that was not awesome, and she's sitting right there. But anyway, she made me wear this helmet, and had these, like, Toboggan that covered my face, had eye holes, nose holes. It was really not cool at all. But anyway, I had to wear it for her for like a week. Okay, so then, so like Christmas was awesome. And at my house, we did something a little bit different than everybody else, or some people do this, but some people don't, I found out. Some people just like open all their presents at one time. You don't know what anybody's getting until the end. What would you get? Oh, I got this. At our house, it was individual, like 
Rob opened a present, then Jennifer opened a present, then Richard opened a present, then Dad and Mom opened a present, all those kind of things. And so that's kind of how we went through. And I loved Christmas. But my dad always did something that frustrated me, and he didn't even know it, and he's going to find out today. <laughs> so something, he did something that frustrated me like crazy on Christmas morning. Like, we'd sit down and we'd be opening presents, and he had this trash bag. And it was, and what would happen is you tear into the present, you ball the paper up, and you throw it at him, and he put it in a trash bag. And so, when I was a kid, like I don't know, maybe not really a young kid, maybe twelve or thirteen, I was like, he cares more about picking up the trash than he does about what we're opening because he's like, Rob, give me the paper. And so, like I hadn't even got a chance to like look at my present well. And he's like, Rob, where's your paper at? And I'm like, there, you got it, good. Okay, so, um, so I hated it, and it so frustrated me. And, and so when I was a kid, I didn't understand it until I became an adult myself. And so Natalie's just old enough to open presents by herself, and she's enjoying her first Christmas that I can remember her, like, moving around. Like, there's a Christmas where you buy them stuff, and you're like, oh, look, I'm going to open it for you. You know that Christmas? Not that Christmas, but the one where they're actually opening it by themselves. And we just, well, I didn't even get the trash bag out. I just, like, went through Christmas, and we opened the presents, and we threw all the trash in the corner. And this is the honest goodness truth. When we got done, it was like, there's a bunch of trash everywhere. And like we had to pick up the trash in order for Natalie to be able to play for toys. And so then it like clicked and I was like, man, my dad's pretty smart. <laughs> when you get older, you realize how smart your parents are. But anyway, so I thought my dad, man, he was really smart. So like he picked up the trash a little bit along the way. So at the end, there wasn't this big mess. And so as I thought about that, that's kind of like what the aftermath of Christmas is. It's like this just, just the mess after the thing if you're not prepared for it. And so the, what I want to do is I want to compare that to something in our lives to where, to where if you're not careful, you'll be in a mess and you don't even realize it. Um, so I was thinking about today all the, all the things that could happen. One of the things that's very rarely talked about in, in this journey with God and Jesus is that, man, you can get in a mess if you're not careful. And so as I was thinking about it, I knew today, this morning, in this room, because this is true everywhere, no matter where you are, in this room there would be people. There's one of two types of people in here. You fall in two categories. Either one, you're hurting, you're confused, maybe your job's terrible, maybe your home life is awful. Maybe there's just these small inconveniences in your life, but it's just bothering you. Maybe it's a kid that's left home. Maybe it's any array of things. Maybe it's all those things combined, and it's just a mess. It just feels like garbage is everywhere. It feels like your life, there's no hope, and there's no way out, and you're just standing in the middle not knowing what to do, not even knowing how to clean it up. And then there's some of you in here who aren't in a mess, and you're like, man, Rob, that's not even me. I don't even know what you're talking about. My life's good. Well, here's what I want to tell you is that if you're not in a mess, you can be if you're not careful. And so today what I want to do is I want to give you practical ways and things to help you. But before I do anything else, here's what I want to do. I want to talk to people who are hurting particularly. The last six, seven, eight months of my life um, have been some of the most trying, difficult times of my life. 
And in the middle of those, what I want to do is I want to show you what God's word said. Specifically what God's word had to say to different situations in, in, in our lives. And we're going to put them on the screen so you're not going to turn to all of them. I'm going to look at several verses, talk about them just very briefly, and then we'll get into the meat of what we're going to talk about. But here's what I want to tell you. If you're hurting today and you're in, in turmoil and pain, you're in a mess, you don't know what's going on. Maybe it's your marriage, maybe it's your, your family, maybe it's your, your job, or it's whatever, financial. Here's what I want to tell you. Psalms 34, 18. Here's what it says. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted, and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. And when you're in the middle of those situations, it feels like there's no hope, like God has forgotten about you. But Scripture's very clear here in Psalms that he's close to you in the times when you're brokenhearted, and he's close to you when you're crushed. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Boy, that's a good thing. Because, man, when you get in the middle of something, you don't understand what's going on, it's a good thing I don't have to figure it out. Don't lean on your own understanding. Verse 6 says, in all your ways submit to him, and he will make your path straight. See, God's going to work it out. Psalms 147.3 says this. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. Psalms 73.26. My flesh and heart may fail, but, my, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Some of you are in here today and your heart's failed you. You've, you've committed, you've done something terrible, you made a decision that was wrong, and it's caused the mess that you're in. And then here's like the hope for the end, which is really awesome, is Revelation 21.4. He will wipe away every tear from your eyes. There will be no more death or mourning, crying or pain. The old order of things have passed away. See, that's like... Like, okay, here's the end of the story. Here's what's going to happen, and it's amazing. Like, everything that's ever gone wrong will be done away with. And I read that, and here's what it does. It gives me hope, and then it kind of knocks me down a little bit. You want to know why? It's because that's so far away, seems like. It's like almost out of touch. Like, he's going to wipe my tears away when, like, in the end... Well, I thought the end was the 21st, but it wasn't, you know. So, so it didn't happen then. It just seems so far away. I want hope for now. Like, I need God to do something right now. And here's the passage he gave me when I was thinking about it, what I was going to preach. And it's in Matthew, Matthew 11. If you want to turn there, if you have your Bibles. If not, we're going to put it on the screen for you. Matthew 11, verses 28 through 30. This is a very familiar passage if you've grown up in church like I have. Um, but it's going to be the substance of giving us a game plan, giving us something that we can use practically for our lives. Matthew 28, 11, 28 says this. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. 
Lord, I just pray that in this room, God, that for people who are hurting and broken, God, that you will give them hope. Lord, I pray that just like the song said, God, that, that they'll be able to run to your arms, God, and find shelter and healing. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit will do only what it can, and that's, that's move into the lives of people and bring them closer to you. God, I pray that you do what only you can today. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Um, so here's, here's the verses we're going to look at. We're going to look very specifically at these, and, and here's what I want to do. Is I was trying to think of something, like my brain works really weird. Like I can tell you, like a for instance, um, I know a phone number that ends in, and you're going to think I'm an idiot. That's okay. Um, 2236, it used to. It's not even an active number anymore. But 2236 was the ending number. And here's how my brain works. Like, okay, 22, um, yeah, that's cool. But if you multiply that by 3, it gives you 6. So 2236, multiply. I remember the number now. That's kind of how my brain works. I don't know why it just does. So I wanted to give you something easy for you to remember, something less complicated than that. So... <laughs> Um, we were, so when I was thinking about it, here's what I came up with, an acronym. Does everybody know what an acronym is? Hopefully. You may not know until I show you what it is. All right. So here's what it is, a CLR. That's what it's going to be when we get done. And it's kind of my abbreviation for clear. So when you got mess in your life, you need to like clear it out of the way. You know what I mean? Like you need to make it like the way it used to be, clean again. So we're going to use an acronym that's going to be clear. And CLR. All right, so in the uh, the very first one, the C, and I'm not even going to put it up there yet, but the C kind of reminded me of a movie I watched on TV just the other day. Um, I don't recommend this movie. I just saw it on TV, and I watched a little bit of it. Have to, and most guys are going to understand when I tell you that Godfather was on. And so they're going to take stuff to the mattresses and all, you know, so you had to watch a little bit of it. But the very first scene in that movie, the very first scene in this movie is this guy who comes to the Godfather, and he's, like, talking about his daughter who's been mistreated. And, and what happens is he goes through the whole judicial process, and what happens, they let the guys go, nothing happens, and then he goes to the Godfather, and he's like, I want justice now. Now I want justice. Does anybody know why he went to the Godfather? He went to the Godfather because the Godfather was powerful, and the Godfather could make things happen. And when you went to the Godfather and he approved of it, then it would be so. And in the movie, his famous line was, I gave him a deal he could resist. And that means he's going to kill you or you're going to make the deal, one of the two. So, um, so here's the first one. The first one's hopefully really simple too. And you go look at Scripture in 28, it says, come to me. So the first one is, come to the one with the answers. So that's the C. The C in clear is come to the one with the answers. Obviously, if you have a Bible that's red-lettered, when you read that, this, yours was in red letters, which means Jesus was talking. Jesus said, come to me, all who are weary. You know, that's what he said. So he said, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. In today's society, we have so many outlets to turn to. We have so many things that we turn to when we get in trouble and we have a mess. You have marriage problems, listen to Dr. Phil on TV. He'll help you out, right? Or if you have, if something's going on in your life, listen to Oprah. She'll give you her, her opinion. She's good at that. Or your best friend or the internet or the best-selling book. 
And what happens is, is so many times, like in my life, what I will do is I will go to all these areas first before I ever go to the one with the answers. And so in the middle of your mess, no matter what it is, whether it's your marriage or it's your job or whatever, go to Jesus. Come to him, the one who has all the answers. Why would you not go to the one who has authored and planned everything for you? Why would you not go to him? Why would you not go to the one who could who fix it? And so as we, as we go through our lives, we oftentimes either don't know who to go to or we don't go to the right person. There are, um, this is really a dumb analogy, but it'll work. <laughs> if you found out you had a brain tumor, right, and it's like life or death, Monica's sitting somewhere in the back. Wave your hand at me, Monica, so I can sit. There she is. Monica's a great hairdresser. She does my hair sometimes. Um, But if I have a brain tumor, I'm not going to go to Monica to find out what to do about it. But what's so stupid is that sometimes we do the same thing, though. We've got this huge issue in our life. And we don't even turn to the one who has all the, who's the expert about it, who's the one who knows what to do about it. So come to the one with the answers. The second one is this. Come to the one with the answers, and then L, learn from the master. Learn from the master. In Matthew 11, here's what it says. Here's where I got this from. So first, 28, come is come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. 29, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. So right there it is. Learn from the master. It says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart. For I am gentle and humble in heart. So I was was thinking about, first let me explain the whole yoke thing and then I'll kind of put it in our terms. In scripture, the way they train ox is they'll take an experienced ox, which is one who's been doing it for seasons. And what they do is they take a yoke, which has one for the two ox. It has one for experienced ox and a young ox. They'll take a young ox and put it with the most experienced ox. And what happens is, is they teach that young one how to plow straight or how to plow rows. And so what happens is when the young one starts to, to get off path, the one who's experienced pulls it back in line. And so they do this technique to, to train the young ox so that he can do it by himself. It's basically, in essence, what happens in the end. And here's what's so great about what Scripture says. Scripture says that it says, take, so God's like this, Jesus is this big ox who's experienced in the, the master. And you put the yoke on him, and you put the yoke on me, and he begins to take me in a straight path. And what, what happens is when I think about going off to the left and the, the, the big ox jerks you back in, you think, man, that's painful. I don't want to do that around my neck, really. So, but here's what it says. It says, I'm gentle and I'm humble. So what God does is as a father, when you get hurt, when you're a little kid, you remember a little kid? Like when I got older, it was like, stop that crying or give you something to cry about. But when I was a little kid and I went to my dad, 
he would take me up in his arms and sit me on his lap and hold me. So what Jesus does is, as a father, when I start to get out of line, is he gently pulls me back into where I need to be. And then what I love is the humble part. He is humble. I don't know about you, but I can't stand arrogant people. People that, I mean, Jesus knows everything, but it says that he's humble. So what he does is he corrects you in a way that you can learn from him, not a way that puts you down and treats you like dirt. So Jesus comforts you and takes you and leads you in a path that is straight. We have... So you come to him, and then you learn from him. And then you're going, oh, how do you learn from Jesus? Like, he went to, I mean, he's not here anymore, right? And so that's, and here's what, I'm going to say the words that when you say in church, everybody goes, oh, I don't want to hear that, something else. But let me tell you exactly what it is. It's very easy. You go, how do you learn from Jesus now? You spend time with him. I used to, when I was a supervisor, I'd pair inexperienced people with experienced people, and then you say, spend your day with him and learn what he does. So as Christians, what we have to do, we have to do this. And if you want to get out of the mess, what you have to do is you have to spend dedicated time with Jesus. Like, you have to pray to him. You have to listen to him. You have to study his word. That's the one that people go, well, I don't really like reading. I'm sorry. It's the word of God. And it's what you learn from. And so, and so you have to read his word. I mean, it's literally the, the words of God Almighty on paper, the, where you can find the answers, where you can learn what you need to do. And so, and so you learn from him, and you learn his ways. And when, when, you, when you see something, here's the thing. It's easy to go to somebody when you know they have the answers, but it's not easy to always do what they say to do. You know what I mean? You go to the doctor, and they're like, Rob, you need to lose 15 pounds. You're overweight. And I go, cool, I will later you know i'll do it <laughs> uh, you need to you need to floss four times a day no i don't you know all that so um go to the people with the answer but here's what happens is so many christians hear what god's word has to say from a great pastor and a great man of god and he tells them to do something and they go no nope. that's that's great and all i mean if i was more sold out to christ i might would do that but that's like getting into my business man no so as Christians, what we have done is we selected what we wanted to do instead of what God has asked us to do. And so in order to learn and in order to get out of the mess you're in, what you have to do is you have to listen to what he says, learn from him, and then apply them to your life. It's the only way. It's the only way you're going to get out of the mess. Man, I can know the right thing. Listen, I can know how to tie a knot in my shoe, but if I don't ever pick up the shoestrings, it's never going to happen, right? So if Jesus shows me what to do and I don't do it, then I'm never going to get out of the mess. It's still going to be there forever. Even if you go to the right person and you read his word and you don't practice it. The only way that you learn anything is to practice something and to do it. So then the last one. So you come to the one with the answers and you learn from the master. You learn from the one who has all the answers. Then, so contrary to what we want to do. You're going you're gonna to hear it and you're going to go, no, I want to do that, but you don't really. Relax in his grace and mercy and power. 
So it's come to the one with the answers. Learn from the master. Then you relax in all that he is, really. Like, and you're going to go, man, I really want to do that. No, you don't. I mean, no, you don't, because everything that we live shows that we don't. My favorite time of the year is vacation. And you're laughing, but here's what it is. My favorite time of the year is vacation because that's when I get to catch up on what I should have been doing the whole year with my kids. Right? I mean, that's what it is because you don't go to get away from everything. You go to make up for everything. That's like what vacation is for me. Like, you want to go to the pool for eight hours? Great, that's what I want to do. Not really, but I'm going with you anyway. We're going to play. You know, so that's kind of what happens. We are people that want to be in control of every little detail of our life. We do. We, we act like we don't, but we do. And so when that happens, like, we totally neglect the fact of who's the one who's totally in control. I was, for many, many years of my life, I thought that doing what God wanted me to do was how well I could achieve that task, like how well I could do it. Like I thought that my performance dictated how good of a Christian I was going to be and how well I listened to what God told me to do. And I'm not telling that performance doesn't have anything to do with it. Here's what I am telling you. Is that if you don't love Jesus and relax in who he is and understand that he's in control and that you're not, then the mess will continue to happen because you're the one who started the mess in the first place. And you're going to say, but Rob, what about, I mean, are you telling me that nothing bad is ever going to happen to me if I do what you're asking me to do? No, I'm not saying that at all. But here's what I will tell you. Is that if you do what we talked about this morning, then when the mess comes, it won't ruin you. You'll be satisfied because of who Jesus is, not because of what you did. The difference between somebody who's walking with God and close to him is when you're put in prison, you praise him instead of wallow in your self-pity. So this morning, here's what I want to, I mean, here's what I would love to happen. It's for those of you who are in the midst of a terrible situation is to go, first, recognize that you are. And second, go, man, God, thank you so much that you, you want to come to You want me to come to you? You want to wrap your arms around me? You've given me something to live for. You've given me a way out. And then submit to what he tells you to do, whatever that is. And then you got the people in here who, who you bless God that you're not in any trouble. Like God's done amazing work in your life and, and nothing's going wrong. But there will be a day. When something happens and you're in the middle of a situation and it's a chance for God to test you and to, to, show, you, to, to show you where you stand, really. Um, a good saying is when the chips are down and you really know who people are. So this morning, here's what I want. I just wanted to give you a practical way to clear the mess. 
Lady CLR to clear the mess. Let me just give you one thing that I didn't realize that my dad taught me this past week or three weeks I've been working on this. You remember my frustration with my dad in the trash bag? It's like, Dad, goodness, put the trash bag down. I'm opening presents, you know? If you will practice what I'm telling you this morning, first, you'll get to clean up all the mess. And second, your father will be standing in the corner with a trash bag. And when mess comes, you'll be able to throw it away. And in the middle of when something happens, you're not mess already. Jesus is right there with you, ready to put it in a trash can. There's hope when there seems like there's no hope. There's somebody who loves you when it feels like nobody else loves you. There's somebody waiting to wrap their arms around you and help you get rid of the mess if you'll let him. Now that's something that we need to be reminded of. And I don't know about, about you guys, but at moments in my life, I've found that when the when the junk hits the fan, that I tend to at times go everywhere except Jesus. I mean, when, when a problem shoots up, I'm asking everybody's advice except Jesus. When there's a problem that comes around and, and as Robert said, the mess of life again inserts itself. Somehow, I'm asking everybody except Jesus. But like the scripture that Rob said, Rob, Rob read that and, and, and did such a good job sharing. I mean, just hitting me right in the chest that if the mess comes up in life, I need to come to Jesus. I don't need to go to my, even as brilliant and as beautiful and as kind as my wife is. Right? I don't need to go there first. And today, I mean, some of y'all, I know your stories and I know where you're at right now. And for some of y'all, it's a great season. Like Rob said, you know, you just, you're in that season that's a little free of some of the mess. But some of y'all are right in the middle of the mess. And the thing about going through messes is that there's a thousand voices that want to tell you what to do. But like Rob said, we, we need to go to Jesus and learn from him and then relax in his grace. But you can't do that if you don't go to Jesus. So I'd like everybody just around the room, let's pray for a moment, God. Lord, there's a lot of places that we in our hearts tend to run to. God, some of them are, are the people that love us and care about us, and some of them are just places that we feel comforted to. God, when we hit this mess in life, Lord, the place that we run to first speaks a little bit about what's central in our lives 
And for some of us right now, maybe the first time that we're actually encountering the truth that if I'm running everywhere except to you, you are not at the center of my life. So this morning, God, as we we take a chance, because this is an opportunity to pause and to look at you. God, I just want to ask that for those of us that have never taken this step to make you central in our lives, you to be the first person that we run to when problems come up, that right now that you would change that because as Robert so eloquently said it, if we don't learn that, we're going to continue to live in the mess because we're the ones that caused it in the first place. So nobody looking around, everybody's head bowed, all eyes closed. I just want to begin by asking you a simple question today. If you recognize that in your life when mess comes, you run everywhere except Jesus because you're trusting everything except Jesus. But this morning, you want to make a change and to say in your heart, when mess comes in the middle of the mess that I'm in right now, in the middle of whatever mess comes in the future, I'm going to go to Jesus first. If you want to make that statement today, I'm not going to ask you to move just between me and you. Would you raise your hand right now and say that? I see those hands. Anybody else that would say, in my life, I've ran so many places, I've not run to Jesus because he's not central. But from this moment on, when the mess comes or in the middle of this mess, I'm going to run to Jesus. Is there anybody else that would say that? I see that. So I want to pray for those people who've raised their hands. God, For those who have said, I've ran so many different places. But not to you. These people who say that, God, right now, they want to make you central in their life. That that when mess comes, that they want to run to you. God, I just want to ask that your grace and mercy pour all over them so that as they learn from you, they can live lives that are relaxed because they can trust you. So God, in ways that are meaningful to them individually, I pray that this week you would prove to them that they can trust you. That you would show them and demonstrate that you're good. God, lead them and shelter them and guide them. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen, amen. About a a round of applause for those people who have made that decision this morning.